0: On this episode, Ultramans, the Lakes of Arizona, DFL, and our all-race director sadists. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. varia tilden jeff hester and jason fitzpatrick hello dear listeners so we have started a Patreon page for the podcast. If you've never heard of Patreon, think of it as kind of like a tip jar. Basically, if you want to help us keep the lights on, now you can by subscribing to us on the page for a monthly sum. Now, this is totally optional, and of course the show will still be free. We'll have monthly gear giveaways for our subscribers starting at the end of August 2022, and possibly some more perks down the road. If you'd like to help out, just go to patreon.com forward slash A-T-A-P. That's... P A T R E O N dot com forward slash A T A P. Thanks again. Here's the show.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Almost There Adventure podcast. Today, I'm really excited, and we're actually really excited. We were talking about this before we uh, started that we have been talking to a lot of people about who do races or join races or are training for races or signing up for big events but we haven't had an event director on the podcast yet, which is a whole other perspective. So we are very excited today to have Jen McVeigh with us. She is the race director for Ultraman Florida and Ultraman Arizona. We have actually had uh, Billy Rickards who has raced both of those races on as a guest, Um, but Jen is the race director for both of those events. She's also a race director for a whole bunch of events on Oahu, which is her home state. And I can't wait to learn more about, uh, or have you learn more about Jen, because I know a lot about Jen, but have you all learn more about Jen um, and what she does as a race director. So Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. And why don't you do a little, maybe better job of introducing yourself?
2: (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, Saveria. It's really great to be on with you. Um, No, I mean, that was a great intro. You got it right. I'm the race director for Ultraman Florida and Ultraman Arizona. And then I also put on three, sometimes four races, um, on the island of Oahu where I live. Um, I've got a half marathon that happens in May. I've got a 5k that happens in June. And then this weekend I've got an 8k going on. And then every once in a while, when I feel like it, I'll put on a, a Christmas holiday hustle 5k. Um, and that, it happens like every other year. Or so when it, when I'm feeling it.
0: It Sounds like an island time kind of thing. Is that, is it? It is kind of an island time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Surprisingly, all of my local events, actually all of my events start on time, which is not normal in Hawaii. So.
0: Well, on (laughs) island time or on like actual like Swiss, Swiss clock, you know, timing time? (laughs) Yeah, they
2: start on Swiss clock timing time time on, of the time that I said it was going to start, we actually start it. But then we always have stragglers running in that are coming in five or 10 minutes late. So we leave the timing mats up because we know people are on Hawaii time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So let's start as a refresher for folks who are listening. What is, like, so let's start with your big races. Uh, What is an Ultraman? What does an Ultraman entail for the athlete, first of all?
2: For the athlete, an Ultraman, it's a three-day adventure um it's actually longer than a three-day adventure because it takes them many many months to train for it but the actual race is three days they have 12 hours each day to compete uh the first day is a 10k swim followed by a 90 mile bike ride the second day is 171 mile bike ride and the third day is a double marathon so 52.4 miles uh which uh, most people walk a at least a small portion of it some people walk a large portion of it depending on how their first two days went uh, so for the athlete it's it's a huge physical challenge uh, it, it, as well as a mental challenge just because you go to some really dark places uh, when you're doing that kind of mileage and they have to pull themselves out of those dark places to get to the finish line but to do that they have a crew every athlete has a crew of at least two people Um, up to four or five people. And the the crew is there to feed them, fill their bottles, make sure they're going the right way, not getting lost and and generally just take care of them. And they're kind of like the right hand men and women that are gonna help get them across that finish line. And Severia has crewed many times and crewing is actually almost as hard as being an athlete sometimes.
1: It's stressful. I don't know if it's as hard as being doing the athlete thing <laughs> let me be clear but it is definitely stressful that there's no question sure. on that well,
0: well now we'll that you've cru- now that you've crewed severe you have to do one i mean you have to I, compete now, that, now now that now that you've done all this crewing and whatever you know
1: when they come up with a uh with a relay and all i have to do is the swim i'm in <laughs> 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 okay. but it's that double you can do it that's that, yeah. the double marathon that just ain't happening <laughs>
3: Hey Jen, I got a quick question about crews. Is it like mandatory that you have a crew? Do you have to have yes. a crew? Yes.
2: You have okay. to have a crew. And um, so like normally it's like at
3: least 2 people or
2: At least 2 people. Most people have 3, some have 4 um but you have to have at least 2 minimum because there's no way you can carry all of your nutrition there's no way you can carry all of the liquids that you need, all, of the, all the bars and goos and regular food and, um, and tubes and tires and pumps and all that stuff. Because it's not just about, you know, the, the fuel that's going in the body, but it's also about making sure that bike is working properly, um, making sure they have an escort during the swim. Um, during this, that 10k swim, every athlete will have a, um, a kayak escort next to them and they'll carry their uh, their bottles of uh, fuel for them um, and just you know help motivate them to get to that swim finish line.
1: Also help them track straight. so you need to be a good kayaker because they're, they're it's such a long swim that the swimmer isn't focused on sighting as much as just going and so the kayak actually helps them as a sighting tool as well. so.
0: And and well, we know how many people are like. How many competitors do? you, Is there like a maximum number that you allow every year? Like how many competitors do you have to every taking place in these events?
2: Good question. There's definitely a max uh, for the for the races that I have: uh, Ultraman Florida and Ultraman Arizona. We have a 50 person maximum. Uh, we have never had 50 race, um, mostly because injuries happen, things happen, life happens, where people have to drop out. So usually we race um with anywhere from 30 to 45ish in that range which is a which is a perfect amount. And it, and that allows everybody to get to know each other. So it's not like a big huge race with 2000 people where you don't know anybody. By the end of the weekend you're going to know every athlete, you're going to know a lot of the crews. Um, you're going to know every staff member and volunteer. So it it becomes like a family, which is what makes it so special.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that's so cool is being on the crew is a lot of athletes come back and crew other athletes on different races and vice versa. So there's mm-hmm. this whole sort of giving back, you know, an athlete may race one year or race in an event and then come back and crew one of their fellow athletes in another one. Um, it's actually a really special thing. It's a really special environment because everybody kind of gets to know each other. And I believe if I'm... is. Do you have to crew to qualify? Like, what are the qualifications to... to...
2: You do not have to crew, but if Uh you do crew, you are kind of moved to the top of the invitation list. Um, So crewing actually doesn't officially qualify you, but it definitely moves you farther up the list to get looked at, to to join join in as an athlete. Um, Basically, though, you need to be... A, a decent athlete. Uh, we ask that you have completed at least one iron. It sounds like understatement distance. of the yeah, day. I
4: know
0: decent. <laughs> I don't think decent. I'm decent? a decent athlete, and I, there's no
2: way I can do that. You you would be surprised at some of the applications that come through. Um, we've had people, you know say, I've done, I've done a half Ironman and I really want to do an Ultraman. And we're like, eh, you should probably go do an Ironman first, just to make sure you can do those distances. So we do ask that they do an iron distance race uh, before applying or, or have it on their schedule that, you know, signed up for it um, so that we can see that they can do that distance because this is not for just the regular average Joe to go out and do. I, I will tell you almost anyone can do it if you put the time in, if, if you have the time to put in to train, because like I said, it takes months to train, you know, nine to 12 months to train for this. So you've got to be able to, you know, work that out with your job and your family and all your other, you know, life uh, requirements that you have out there. You have to have the time and they put in so many hours. It's like a part time job. Because they're training, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week on top of their regular jobs, so
1: it's definitely a lot of work. Race day is the fun part you have a group of people following you around in a car with like banners and, well, in my case, costumes, snacks, like cheering you on, <laughs> snacks, feeding you. It's better than the training, I think.
3: Yeah, I remember we talked to uh, Billy Rickards back way, 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 way back in episode two, and uh. That was one of the things that made a real impression on me was just how much training there has to be. You know, it's like, you know, I've done a couple marathons and I thought that was a lot of training. And it's not, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing.
0: It scratches the surface. So hats it, off it to really the does. folks who can do this. Yeah. We've talked about the athletes, but we've talked to a lot of athletes on this show, as Severia mentioned in her intro. Like, but you're our first race director. So like, I, I can't, I mean, how do you even like begin to tell like how much responsibility and how much work and whatever it is to be like, you know, to do your job. I mean, that's just, I can't even imagine like how long before the event do you actually even start like preparing? Is it like race done time to start for next year? Kind of a thing. Like, let alone everything you have to deal with. Like, like what I can't, I have so many questions. I can't even get this out. So I apologize. Like, like (laughs) what? So what, I mean, there's probably stuff that we all assume that you have to do as a director Tell us some of the things that we would that like you wouldn't think a director has to deal with that you have to deal with.
2: Well, uh, 364 days before the event starts the next year, like the day after last year's event, we start the planning. Um, we've got to put in all the permits. so there's there's various permits depending on which race it is and which state you're in. Um, some states require a lot of permits. Some states don't require as many permits. So Arizona is a lot of permits. Florida is not as many permits. Um, So that's the first thing we start doing. Um, Obviously, we start accepting applications at some point, and then you have to go through the applications and make decisions on, do we want to invite this person or tell them we would like them to go get some more coaching or get some more experience? Um, You've got to line up things like... uh, toilets in various places, uh, figure out what the routes are gonna be. Uh, sometimes the routes change. Sometimes we've had the same route for years and then suddenly something happens where we have to change it. Uh, for example, we're gonna have some big changes for Florida this year. severia doesn't even know this yet, um, but we no longer can race at a certain venue because uh, the location that we used to use got caught up in a lawsuit, and we no longer are allowed to use a certain road that gets us to the spot <laughs> that we need to be at. So we have we're going to have a whole new start finish line hmm. uh, for Florida. And uh, but yeah, we have to do gosh all kinds of things. We have to order shirts and all that kind of stuff. We've got to line up volunteers. We've got to uh, make sure we've got venues for our race briefing and our awards dinner and our athlete check-in. We have to make sure that we have a house for the staff to stay in. Uh, We have to line up who's gonna be in charge of what, who's gonna be in charge of food for the staff, who's gonna be in charge of you know, coffee for the start line, things like that. Important things like coffee, very important. then we've got to do things like, gosh, my task list is so huge. How many people are in your staff? Uh, it varies by race, but anywhere from 14 to 20 yeah. of of staff who are there every single day, you know, getting hardly any sleep, doing all the things behind the scenes. Yeah. And my staff is absolutely amazing. All the staffs for all the Ultraman events are really quite incredible. They're very giving people. Um, They're really part of our family, our Ohana. And it's kind of like having a reunion whenever we get to go race. Uh, Yeah, it's super fun to see everybody race and see them cross the finish line. But it's really fun for those of us who have been around for a while to get to see each other. Uh, Because, for example, I have certain staff that lives in Florida. And so I really only see them you know for that one week of the year, but we have so much fun during that one week. We cram in as much fun as we can while also working. So yeah it's it's just a big uh, it's like a big calendar and I plug things in here and there and every day I'm doing something different. And because I have races on the mainland and races in Hawaii, every day I'm working on, Different things for different races. So I might work on ten minutes on Florida, and then a half an hour on a Hawaii race, and then twenty minutes on Arizona, and then back to Hawaii races. And so it never gets boring. That's for sure.
0: And and like, how did you get get into this? Like, how did this become your life and, and your job?
2: <laughs> it is kind of weird, isn't it? I, I don't. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I used to work for a nonprofit, and we started some races up as fundraisers back then. Uh, eventually they closed our office here in Hawaii and I had, I had started all these races. So I was like, well, maybe I can actually like make that my job, start paying myself but also still give back to charity. And so my Hawaii races, uh, my company's called Tropical Triple Crown Charitable Racing. So I, I give donations uh, to different charities after every single race Um, And I usually focus on uh, cancer or cancer research or things that have to do with kids like the Boys and the Girls Club. Uh, So that was back. I actually started being a race director 17 years ago and then started full time nine years ago. So I've been a full time race director for nine years now. And it's great. I have um, my own boss, which Saveria knows is probably the hardest job you could ever have (laughs) because you have to have the discipline to, you know, not sit on the couch and watch TV all day or go hiking all day or, you know, not work. But it's great because I've got the flexibility to travel. I can work from anywhere in the world as long as it's not race week. So that, that allows me to do the things that I love.
0: Well, it sounds like too, you have sort of like, you know, easier right you're like 5k half marathon which not easy but whatever and then you go all the way to Ultraman but not really anything in between right like like no marathons yeah. or Ironman or even half Ironman how did yeah what, what is it that makes you like you know sort of bookend you know the, the sort of uh you know or be the bread on the sandwich of endurance uh, challenges
2: it's kind of an accident um yeah it used to be before I became a race director of an Ultraman distance race. Um, my biggest race was a half marathon, which is not a long distance when you're in the ultra world, but it, the most amount of people I had was 2,500 people. And so it, it was big in participants, which makes the job just a lot more stressful when you've got that many people. But now that I'm doing Ultraman. I just did my half marathon in May. I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so easy." We're like we're done in 4 hours, so that's easy, you know. So so it's I actually really like having my smaller races in Hawaii because now I can crank those out. I still love them and it's still really fun, but once I'm done with them, I'm literally home by noon and and on to the next event. Whereas with Ultraman, you're not home by noon (laughs) you're barely sleeping the whole the whole week um but it's it's worth every second of it i i love uh what i do
0: well i don't know uh, maybe one of my other hosts and i are somewhat due for another half marathon so so yeah you never know i just
1: did (laughs) one well i I know i know you're not one plus i I know you're not due it was 14 i'm not due Uh, i checked my box
0: jeff and i were (laughs) doing one a year there for a while and, and we were doing them in all the national parks but uh I've never even been to oh. Hawaii, so that that would be a good reason well, to go to Hawaii. Yeah, that would be a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Go,
3: so go, go to Hawaii. Yeah. Have you been to Hawaii the yet,
4: Jeff? I've
0: not. I didn't think, Jeff, yeah, because we had talked. Neither of us had ever been to Hawaii. I remember that and and what? whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Yeah. I,
1: I'm, I'm, for those of you who can't see our faces, I'm dumbfounded. I,
0: yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it just never, We've I don't know. We've been a lot why. of places, just I we know. haven't
3: been to Hawaii. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've <laughs> been a lot of weird places, just not Hawaii. <laughs>
2: Well, mark your calendars for Memorial Day weekend
0: 2023.
2: Okay. Uh, Hibiscus half marathon. It is Memorial Day weekend every year. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to work the next day because it's a holiday. And and that's a great weekend to be in Hawaii.
4: Yeah. And
2: if you really don't want to do a half marathon, that race also has a
1: 15K and a five miler.
0: How hilly is it? That, that, that's <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you go... Uh,
1: is Diamond Head involved or is Diamond Head not involved? Diamond Head's involved, but we don't go to the top <laughs> of Diamond Head. Yeah.
2: You go over the base of Diamond Head, but that is the the main hill in the race. But it, it it's mostly flat with a little bit of rollies in there. You could totally do it.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, the last one I did was like all uphill in the sand. So I'm just making sure that Ooh. doesn't ever happen to me again. That that's yeah. you know I don't even mind the uphill, but uphill in the sand is never happening again for me. So where <laughs> was
2: that? that uh, it that was the Joshua.
0: Horrible. It was the Joshua Tree half marathon. Oh, okay, uh, it's just like never-ending sand <laughs> and a never-ending. I don't know how it defies physics. It defies physics to so there's no downhill. I don't know how it does that, but but. which
3: is worse uh never ending sand or never ending mud
0: yeah jeff and i did the grand canyon half marathon and that was well i mean pretty much every bad cold cold weather involved thing that can happen to you happen to us and it was all on dirt and that all turned to mud and it was we got snowed on hailed on sleeted on it was rained on rained on it was it was uh it was very miserable that was that, that was sounds
1: tough. fun. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, no. it, that sounds it, very it was, I would love that. Yeah, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're shaking their heads no, I know. Down I, know. Right. <laughs> I I I think the bummer with that one is I think that was the most fit I was for any of them too. And like, I, you know, I had like a pretty ambitious time goal and didn't even come close. I mean, you couldn't even run, you know. It was all mud. So you couldn't run. It was like you couldn't even walk in some of that. It was so slippery, so it was it was it was, it was pretty miserable. But, yeah, we it's but, now been two or three years since Jeff and I have done one. so Or done one together, at least. We've, we've done them yeah, independently, yeah, but yeah, we yeah. haven't. Uh, we did about, what, four years in a row? I think we, we managed think to make so, one yeah. happen. So, yeah. you know, maybe. Well,
3: okay, so Memorial Day weekend, 2023,
2: on Oahu? On Oahu, yeah.
3: All right. Well, we'll, well. I don't know. Look
2: at, we'll at he his little
0: wheels are turning.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll com- I'll, I'll I call might him. have it in
4: me, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Jeff is more overrunning than Severia and I, so that, that might be part of why this is. I, I don't think Jeff ever Jeff, – Jeff would, to his credit, he would just show up at most of these without having, even what, run like maybe – done like 10 miles of running to train. I mean, he's hiking, so he's getting the exercise in, but he, he's not – don't. Yeah. Jeff is not a fan. Well, of yeah, I,
3: I ran, you know, like I ran, you know, through high school, you know, cross yeah. country, I ran track and field and, uh, and then promptly stopped running. You know, like <laughs> as soon as I graduated. It's like, I've, and I've run, you know, a couple, you know, long distance events and that sort of thing. Nothing ultra. And I just don't like it personally. I <laughs> <You know, laughs> like, fun. I love the event, you know, yeah. like that's fun. But, um, the training, eh, you yeah. know, And it's hard on your body and all that, but you know it's uh, different strokes for different folks.
0: Yeah. Well, my training started today. I got up at five thirty to run this morning. So, all right. Well, I rode uh, my bike this morning after two months. Two months of no running. I I, I I'm back on it with my friends. So. Uh, Well, my
2: Oahu events are very walker friendly, so you can walk it too. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're not going to get like. Yeah. You're going to get your medal. G- generally
0: my goal it. generally my goal is to not walk although the last two i've done i failed at that yeah. um i almost we jeff and i did the teton one i almost made it i just something happened only like three quarters from the end i just something i blew up like that close to it's probably to the because end.
1: You, won't. It's probably yeah. you weren't walking in the I beginning know.
0: probably because i didn't stop and i didn't walk yeah. but like literally i'm like i was so close and then i just like exploded and, and had to walk on and off for that that last bit but um, yeah, and then that I, I my shin splints got so bad running uphill in the sand, I had to walk the last two or three miles of that Joshua Tree one, which I hated, but it was too painful to keep going. So,
2: <laughs> so yeah. I want to do some of those national park ones. They're great. Yeah, that would be awesome.
0: They're fantastic. Honestly, they do a really good job. Um,
1: Severia, let's put that on our yep. list. <laughs> okay, Jen and I Jen and I are making lists
3: that's awesome <laughs> we, we so, are so, lists so speaking speaking of walking half marathons I got to share just a short story about my wife Joan uh, because I talked her into doing the Hollywood half marathon with me when we were living in LA and I you know the way that I talked her into because she doesn't run either because of her knees and all of that and I'm like well, we can walk it. All you have to do is finish within the certain time frame, you know, stay ahead of the sag wagon and we can totally do that, you know? And she's like, all right, you know, why not? You know, and so we walked, we walked, we stayed and we were not last by a long shot. There were plenty of people behind us and even people who were like, you know, kind of like jogging, you know, sort of, and we're walking past them. And uh, anyhow, we get to the last turn I forget where it was it was like we're coming in on hollywood boulevard or something and there was a the finish line was around the corner and like half a block down and we're together the whole time talking and having a great time and she hits the corner and just goes into a full on sprint to the finish line. I go, what are you doing? She's, She's like, like you. "Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been running the whole time." I love her. So she beat me across the finish oh. line and had a great photo too, you know, <laughs> that awesome photo at the finish line.
1: And you're like, "What?" <laughs> That's, yeah. yeah. That's
0: so amazing. so I obviously there are plenty of places to do the swimming portion of that, which you need a lot of water mm. on in Florida. But where, where do you do that much swimming in like Arizona? I mean, like Lake Powell, I don't really know it that well, I guess, but it's, it's landlocked, I know. So where is the water where you can do that much swimming in, uh, in Arizona? Uh,
2: there actually are a lot of lakes around the Phoenix area.
0: Oh,
4: okay. Uh,
2: the one that we were in was called Lake Pleasant. It's at the North end of the Valley. Uh, but unfortunately it's beautiful. A half an hour, oh, yeah? okay. It, it is really beautiful, but on the day of our swim this year, this was our inaugural inaugural race. Um, Lake Pleasant was not pleasant on the day of our swim. Oh no! It was perfect. It was perfect when they went in the water, and within a half an hour, the winds kicked up, and we were having like forty mile an hour wind gusts. And it it turned into the ocean. It was crazy. And our kayakers were having a hard time. And our boat was having a hard time. And there were athletes having a hard time. So we had to call a swim about a half an hour in and pull oh. everybody out of the water. It, it, it turned more, so. and it almost turned into a rescue mission.
0: Now, is this a <laughs> natural know. lake or is, this, or is this man-made?
2: Um, man-made. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, I've been looking at pictures online. Jesus. Now, I see the dam. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
2: it's, it's pretty beautiful though. though. It's really beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, and no, it would have yeah, been so yeah.
1: pretty yeah. if they'd done the whole thing, like you went out across the lake and like it, I mean, just it was a, it's a beautiful setting, mm-hmm. first a swim when there is not 40 mile per hour winds. Yeah.
2: Ooh. The yeah. funny thing is that every other day that week, everyone was going to the lake every day to go do practice swims, and it was beautiful, and everyone's having a great time. The water was cold. Everyone was worried it, about the it, cold for sure they were super worried about the cold and then it turns out the cold was not the problem. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, And then they got on
1: their bikes and then they got to ride their bikes with those kinds of headwinds.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It was yeah.
1: fun.
3: fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, sure. The, the weather is, you know, one of the, the actors in the
0: play that is the ultra event, right? Yes. And, and what month yep. is that? What month do you do the Arizona one? March. March. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to say, you could do it in August or July, but that people would die. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: We, re- yeah. we really, we really yeah. can't go much later than we are because it starts getting into the nineties in April. And yeah. so,
3: yeah. Then it, then it yeah. becomes the last man standing. You know? Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: Literally.
2: Yeah. So, so we have to weigh the balance of cold water versus hot air temperatures. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cold water wins. Put on your wetsuit, put yeah. on your booties. Yeah,
1: so you have the so you have the two Ultramans, and then you have your three, um, three to four races on Oahu. Do you have any plans mm-hmm. to add any more to your, to your, docket,
2: to your calendar? To my agenda, yeah. Uh, n- not right this second. Um, I was going to be putting on a backyard ultra, uh, related to the Bigs' backyard that you might be familiar with. Um, but we couldn't find a venue here on the Island. So that's, that's still in the back of my mind, you know, trying to get a place where we could do that. Um, and that's a really interesting, weird event that would be a very, very small event, but I think it'd be fun.
1: And that's the one mile Um, loop, last man standing, right? Uh, it's actually a
2: 4.167, mile loop. Okay. (laughs) Um, and it has to be 4.167. Yeah. It's a, it's a last thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be a loop or an out and back. Mm -hmm. Got it. it. So,
0: and, and how did you end up doing, like, obviously, you know, you're, you're from Hawaii and you, I know you were recently in Alaska just from us talk, you know, the little chit chat before we started, how did you end up with Arizona and Florida for the Ultraman? Like how, what, what made those two places appealing or.
2: Well, I used to crew a lot and. So when Ultraman Florida uh, became a race, I started crewing there from the first year. And then eventually, um, I was asked to be the social media staff. And then it uh, switched race directors. And I started helping um, our, our prior race director, Chuck Kemeny. Um, I started helping him out. And then I became the assistant race director. And then, um, after this past, um, race that we just had in February, Chuck retired as a race director and he handed over the reins to me. So that's how I, that's how I got to Florida from Hawaii, um, for Arizona back in 19, what year was it? Oh, no, no, no. 2018. In 2018 we were flying back from Florida And my assistant, um, we were chatting on the plane and we're like, we should put on our own Ultraman. And then we're like, where should we put it? And my best friends from college live in Arizona and he was about to move to Arizona. And so we're like, let's do Arizona. And so within weeks, we had put together a proposal, we'd planned out routes and everything and went and presented it to the board of directors and it became a thing. And so we were supposed to have our first race in 2020, March of 2020 Ooh. and had to cancel Yay. the race like, oh, hey. no. yeah, we canceled the race like 10 days before the race or 12 days before the race. Yeah. Oh, it was no! So
1: brutal. All those people who've been training for so long.
2: <sighs> yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal on everybody. So we were just thrilled to be able to race this year and try to get back to normal.
0: Oh man! <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming like just crazy amounts of work went into that, and then to just have like the rug not not to mention the financials, right? I mean, you got to like you yeah, know, like you know yeah,
2: it was uh yeah with with that happening and then COVID, it was it, it was a stressful couple of years, mm-hmm. but now we're back and hopefully uh, you know being able to run everything from now on with it with no hiccups like covid
4: yeah, so yeah. No, and I'm looking no, 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 I'm no.
2: looking um, so we're we actually are also on a zoom right now and we can see each other and I'm looking at the three of you and I'm like hey Severia, these two guys would make some good crew members <laughs> I feel <laughs> like we should bring them or in them?
0: I would I would Bring gladly help.
4: Yeah. Yep. The hard the hard
0: thing always with me is I'm freelance and I never really know when I'm going to be working or when I'm going to have spare time. Like if you're like, "Hey, can you crew tomorrow?" I'd be like, "Sure," cuz I don't have work, you know. But then it's like I'll get triple double triple booked sometimes and it's like I'm stuck in the chair that I that you see me sitting in right now for like hours. But, well, for uh,
1: Arizona, that could work for you, Jason. I know it is, yeah. Cuz sometimes people like lose a crew member or yeah. uh, something happens last minute, so yeah.
0: That could definitely oh well, and that potential. Brings up one of my earlier questions I had when we were talking about crews in the first place. So if people don't necessarily have a crew or, or last minute, say they have two crew members, well, is it easy to, do you guys help them find crew members? Do you have people that sort of just volunteer to help anybody? Is it, do you, Does that happen a lot?
2: Uh, yeah, we're pretty lucky because a lot of our alumni are like, if you need someone, I can come last minute and, that, and that's really helpful because things do happen last minute where people might lose a crew member. So um, often we have people coming in at the, literally at the last minute, you know, a few days before, hey, so-and-so lost a crew member, can you come out this weekend? And, and we, we have a good handful of people that are willing to do that, um, which makes it awesome when the alumni come out and help because they're experts, because they've done it before. So you're lucky if you get an alumni to be on your crew because they know exactly what to do. Um, and, and yeah, we do get random people too. We get random people that just go to our website and click on the volunteer thing and say, yeah, I wanna come out and crew. And we have like potential athletes will come out to crew first, get a feel for what, what how it works and what happens and what they need to do. And we've had several, a, a couple of our guys that volunteered out of the blue for us in Florida, um, applied and are gonna be racing in 2023. So that's pretty cool when when awesome. they do that.
1: We had, and just to be fair, I noticed that it was super stressful to crew. It's also a ton of fun. Jen creates scavenger hunts for each day. And so when you're on the route, the crews have a full scavenger hunt and you have to take pictures, you have to find these things randomly and you don't know where they're gonna be and you have to take pictures with them. And some crews may or may not get creative and take creative license <laughs> for the definite how to define said task <laughs> oh, yeah i want to cool. make
2: sure the crews i want to yeah. make sure the crews are having a, a good time out there it, it is serious business especially if you're crewing someone that's fast and who wants yeah. to win um they're not going to win millions of dollars there's no prize money everybody gets the same award uh but some of them do have sponsors and and you know they just want to challenge their body and see who's the fastest, but I want the crews to make sure they're having fun too. Yeah.
3: I, uh, as I was preparing for this interview, I listened to another podcast that you did with the ultra pod for the ultra podcast. And one of the things that I thought was really cool was sort of the. Acknowledgements you gave to like everyone, it seemed like everybody who was participating you know in in like the Arizona Ultra and um uh, uh, it made it gave me a sense I and mean, you can tell me if i'm on you know on the on the nose or not but um gave me a sense that there you know, like really is a tight knit community and like everybody knows everyone else and um i thought that's really cool i like i loved how you were able to do that and like knew who the people were and like their background and their little, their strange little hobbies or past lives and all of that. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Is that kind of like what it's like in the ultra community?
1: That is all Jen. Aw, oh, thanks Severia. Um yeah. I want
2: people to feel welcome. Um, it was easy with Arizona because more than half the field was alumni because it was a first year event and the alumni wanted to come out. So that was the most alumni like that we have, unless they're unless they're doing Ultraman world championships in Kona, which is all alumni. Um, but for Florida and Arizona, I want people to feel welcome. I want them to feel like we are part of their family and we are there to help them. Um, yes, it is competitive, especially at the front of the pack, but everybody is out there to help everybody else. Um, so if someone gets a flat and their crew is too far away, another team can help them. Another crew can help them. If someone, you know, runs out of a certain liquid or fuel or, or ice or whatever, they're all out there to help each other. And when I take their applications, I ask them certain little questions like what's your favorite food and do you have any animals? And cause I want to get to know them too and do you do any charitable work and you know things like that because I feel like you can really get to know somebody it's hard when you're all you're looking at is a piece of paper with info on it so the more info I can gather from them the more you can figure out is this the kind of person we want Um, because we try not to have any jerks although every once in a while one might slip through the cracks Um, (laughs) but generally I have a no. Would they be called? No would they be known as an? Would
3: they be known as an ultra jerk?
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Well, and and maybe like mild jerk plus super like hangry, which I can only yeah. imagine how hangry you could get in an ultra <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, probably yeah. the the worst. You know, would bring out the worst in some people. I I can only assume. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I know they're suffering out there, and but I also have seen some of the worst suffering. And the athletes are still super kind and nice to their crews. So I know it can be done. So if I see an athlete treating their crews like crap, that person is probably not going to get invited back mm-hmm. because there's no need to be like that. Those people are giving up a week of their lives to help you get across the finish line. Um, so once we get out there, and even with the newbies, we we have a super secret Facebook Facebook group, beforehand so everyone can kind of get to know each other before race week so that when they come out on race week they kind of already know each other a little bit um, and then by the end of the weekend it is
1: definitely a big family mm-hmm. yeah. and a lot of that I mean it's funny because it's such a it's such a big it's I mean the race could be so serious right it could be so serious because it's such a physical undertaking and there's so much time and energy and Jen just makes it so fun and her sense of humor it's freaking hilarious, just in case anybody's curious. You will be mm-hmm. rolling like out of your chair at the pre-meeting. Um, I mean, just little things like, and this is this probably is my favorite like this set the tone for me for Arizona. So the way, and I didn't know this, but I learned the way the numbering works in the ultramans is that the first year is like one through whatever, right? And then the second year it starts wherever the number ended and it keeps going. Mm. So nobody ever has the same number again. So this year, somebody got to be number juan yeah. and there were two juans and so juan there was a number juan <laughs> and it was like we were dying because jen's like just total straight pants. she's like athlete number one is juan <laughs> and we were just like what he's, it was well juan. he is, he's the, the, juan he is he's the, juan the
2: Juan and only he is the juan and only <laughs> yeah, he—he he is how I started with Ultraman. Is I started crewing the Juan, and uh, <laughs> he's a great friend of mine now. We've I've crewed him so many times at so many different things, uh, from Ultraman to Bad Water to more Ultraman and more Ultraman and more Ultraman and more Bad Water. Um, so I had to give the Juan the Juan.
1: Yeah. The one. And he's, and he's, I mean, and again, like you meet the athletes and you're on the course and you sort of, you see them, you see all these athletes, you know, over the days. And so you kind of get to know them because you're hanging out, waiting for your athlete or vice versa. And he was hilarious because Jen in some sick, sick decision decided to have the big climb of the double marathon at mile 42. So at like mile 42, Mm -hmm. They head up, 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 up into the mountains. Like, how, how, I forgot what the elevation for that climb was. It's pretty steep. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's pretty steep. It's, so, I don't know. I don't, so we saw Juan, so we saw Juan coming down, and he's, like, running down. And we're like, Juan, how, you know, how are you doing? And he goes, that was beautiful, but unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I actually want to know, Jen, and you tell me, are all of you sadists? Like, are all race directors just, like, a little bit sadist? Like, I've done one marathon. It was the LA Marathon, and I did it, like, forever ago. But I remember, like, there were, like, three – finished in downtown LA. They've changed it now. There were, like, three, like, 20% plus, like – they weren't long hills. But, I mean, you know, when your legs are locked up and you got to run up, like, a 20% grade, you know, all those old – Steep hills around downtown LA. It was just brutal. And those yeah. were all within like the last three miles of it, you know, like oh, everyone man. was dying. You know, you're like, what, why would you do that? You know?
2: <laughs> well, um, I'm on the staff for the hurt 100, which is, which is one of the most difficult hundred milers. Yeah. And the motto for hurt is we wouldn't want it to be easy. So yeah, that's kind of my <laughs> motto too. Uh, I'm not going to give them a flat double marathon. It's Ultraman. It's
4: Ultraman. It's ultra, come on. It's Ultraman. It's got to be make it
1: Ultra. Yeah. We're going to have fun doing it. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. Um, yeah. So a little bit more about Ultraman. So how many Ultramans are there? So you have your race director for two. How many are there total? And you've mentioned the board a couple times. Can you tell us about that and how that works?
2: Yeah. The board is, um, the board of directors is basically Ohana Loa. That's the company that owns the Ultraman brand. Um, There are three feeder races. They're basically qualifiers for Ultraman World Championships. Ultraman World Championships takes place over Thanksgiving weekend every year, which is that's a really fun Thanksgiving uh, because it's all alumni. We know almost all the crews. It's it's a great way to spend Thanksgiving. And it's interesting because, you know, half or more than half of the field are international athletes for that one. And so they, those international athletes totally embrace our Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) We'll go, uh, we have a race briefing in the morning, kind of like a Thanksgiving breakfast, but then uh, a lot of us will go have Thanksgiving dinner at some of the local restaurants Mm. and they'll eat all of our American things (laughs) for Thanksgiving. Um, So that's, that's the one that everyone strives to get to is Ultraman World Championships. And then we've got Ultraman Florida, Ultraman Arizona, and we also have Ultraman Canada. Which takes place actually in a couple weeks up in Penticton, um, which is a beautiful area. Um, I, I actually think they used to have an Iron Man there, and I think they're bringing it back to Penticton. That was my, so my first Iron
1: Man. My first Iron Man was in Penticton. In 2006. Oh really? Is that in BC or
0: Alberta? Yeah, it's BC. It's okay. sort of
1: north. It's yeah, kind of yeah. almost straight north of Spokane, Washington, oh. kind of. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, nice. it's, it's gorgeous. Must be. That's it's exciting, so and it that is a very challenging course. So,
2: um, I feel like my course is preparing everybody for Canada because Canada's course is is very difficult, and but absolutely gorgeous. Um, I was able to go up there and, and, uh, work on the staff a few years ago and it was fantastic. Uh, that whole course is amazing.
0: So, so you mentioned invites, how many, and you said you have to say 30, 40 people, how many requests do you get to be invited? If you have to be invited, you get more than 50 people requesting to, or, you know, asking for invites and then you just only accept a certain number. How does that work?
2: Usually in a non-covid world we would get anywhere from 70 to 80 applications and would would have to pare it down to 50. Okay. Um this year we're not getting as many as as we usually get. Um I don't know if that's because people are just getting back to ironmans now because we had such a long time of no racing. So so we're definitely not going to be at 50. For our 2023 races, I think we'll end up between 30 and 40 for those. Yeah. But yeah, it does make it difficult when we're getting a lot of applications because you're like, you want to invite everybody. Yeah. But you can't invite everybody. Yeah. So.
1: And they get there's international. There was a number of South American athletes this year. Uh, The woman who won, who won the women's division or the women's race, was from Brazil, correct? Uh Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, usually usually we have quite a few uh, international athletes, but COVID changed everything because of their country's flying restrictions and COVID restrictions and all that jazz. So um, we have a lot of people that rolled, we, get, we gave them a choice to roll to 2022 or 2023.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So for 2023, we're still gonna have a lot of people who, um, who are international who weren't able to come uh, for this year. But hopefully, we'll get back to normal. By 2024, I'm hoping everything's back to normal.
0: And I hate to ask this, but I kind of feel like I have to. Like, obviously, all the logistics, all this, it's got to be pretty expensive to do one of these things. Like, what does it cost to enter uh, an Ultraman?
2: Um, it depends on which one you're applying to. But generally, it's anywhere from about 1800 to all the way up to 2100 or 2200 That covers a lot, though.
0: Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it would have yeah, to be. We tr- I you mean, know.
2: yeah, we try to keep it, you know, as affordable as possible. I know some of these people are paying $900 for a one day Ironman race, which, you know, is, but that's, they're putting on gigantic races and stuff. But yeah, we try to keep it as low as possible, um, but still be able to put on a stellar event for them.
0: Well, no, honestly, you look at the safety issues, the all the land, the permits and stuff you got to do. I mean, how could you not have it be? that you know in that price range you know There's yeah. just and
1: that no- includes like the race brunch for you and you and you know some of your crew that includes the the dinner the awards dinner at the end you know there's other things beyond just the race that go into that as well so when are you guys signing up
2: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. uh,
0: the half the half is honestly very appealing to me i I, you know, I might uh you never know you might you might see me in memorial day next year we'll see if... that's more
2: likely okay yeah. that'd be great honestly. Yeah. that'd be great
0: how, how many how many people do that every year what that's a i'm assuming a much bigger event with much more people.
2: Yeah, usually usually around 1,800 to 2,000. Um, this year, numbers were down. We were just under 1,000 because mm-hmm. this was the first year back. Um, sure. Hawaii was very, very locked down. Yeah. Much more locked down than the rest of the country. Um, well, so Florida people, and Arizona course, in
0: particular, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's,
2: it's completely the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird to travel back and forth from home to Florida and Arizona, because those, those states were wide open, you know, no social distancing, no masks. Meanwhile, we're back here all still locked down in our houses. And it's like, this, this is crazy.
1: (laughs) So when, um, so for next year, when is, uh, Florida and when is, do you have, when is Florida on the calendar and when is Arizona Florida is
2: always the second weekend of February, and it usually coincides with Valentine's Day. And oh. so for 2023, I don't have everything memorized yet because I'm still doing Hawaii races right now. Uh, for 2023, Florida is February 10th, 11th, 12th, and then Arizona is March 17, 18, 19. So we pushed Arizona back by one week uh, to try to have a little less wind on that lake, hopefully. Uh, So we'll see what happens. Maybe the the water will warm up one or two degrees with that (laughs) extra week. It's amazing how fast those lakes warm up once that sun starts hitting them. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, there might be less water in it too, you know, with the drought and whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it might warm up easier than for sure. Because so of that. So Jen,
1: what like what um, recommendations or what inspiration would you give somebody who, you know, is maybe already an adventure athlete, an ultra athlete, who wants to add something like an ultraman or try something out? I mean, aside from the like, oh, go do an Iron Man, like. I don't know, like what sort of inspiration would you give them? Um, gosh. Or motivation, I don't
2: I, know. I, I, Well, I love adventure athletes. Um, when an application comes in that has something different and kind of weird on it, like I gravitate toward those people and I want to invite them. Um, so, you know, during COVID we were allowing, when we first were starting to think we're gonna race again, for the newbies, there were no Ironman races for them to do because everything was canceled, and so we were having everybody do your own Ironman, do your Ironman at home, like a virtual Ironman, and they would have to, you know, show us proof of of their distances to show that they could do the distances, and uh, and I also told people put everything down in that application, put all your ultra stuff, you know, like Severia just went and climbed a crazy mountain. That was crazy, Severia. I just, I watched videos and mm-hmm. like I would invite you to do an Ultraman, Severia, based on that race because <laughs> that she was just has, crazy. You have to.
0: You've been invited, Severia. You have to well, now. You have no, well, I mean, I'll tell you what. I will crew for you. Jeff and I will crew for you. Yeah, My we will both crew. We will both crew for we you. Will both yeah. crew for you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I said, I, I love crewing, happy to relay. But actually, yeah. that's a, that race is a good example of the Ohana, right? Of the family. So on Facebook, because now I'm friends with some of the ultra athletes, Keith Kennedy, who is an ultramarathon athlete who I met in Arizona, and we met because he was just sort of just ahead enough of our athlete that we kept seeing him. So we kept cheering him on and seeing him and his crew and cheering him on and seeing him and his crew. And our athlete had done some warm up rides with him before the race. And Keith Kennedy, See, this is the difference between me and the person who actually does the Ultraman. So Keith, (laughs) who's done the Ultraman at Broken Arrow, did the 1K challenge on Friday. So the vertical 1K challenge on Friday. He did the 52K on Saturday. And then just to round out the weekend for the Triple Crown, he did the 26K, which I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a cute picture um, of me at the starting line. It looks like I'm kind of like looking up and like, like excited, like I'm smiling, like I'm ready to go. And what you can't see is if you look closely at the picture, there's just a hand that's pointing up, and it's Keith behind another person. He and he's saying, and then you just climb from the second aid station to the <laughs> third aid station straight up with your hands and feet. I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so yeah, so that's the kind of crazy person who's um, who's actually doing the Ultramans. Yeah. But.
0: I would do the bike. Yeah. I would do the bike, but that's it. Yeah. The running. All right, Jeff, you. that means you need to run. You need to run Jeff. Hmm. Saveria said hmm. she'd do the swim. I'll do the bike.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, yeah. we're
3: doomed. Yeah. We are doomed.
0: <laughs> if they do do a relay, uh, you know, yeah. that would, we could find a runner. I, Jeff. Uh, we could find yeah, a runner. I'll hobble. We could find yeah. a runner to do the running. And then you and I, could, there you, go. you could swim and I'd ride.
2: <laughs> oh my I'll gosh, crew. So
0: and, uh, yeah. Jeff could crew. Make.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> Maybe someday that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> if it ever does happen, you are the first team All right. That right. I will be out
4: to.
0: Well, What was that? What we I'll came up like with? Here. We came up with this morning. The team name would be the uh, the D F uh, DFL, right? Yeah. Is that the, yeah the, DFL <laughs> the DFL
1: team. team. Yeah. yeah. So, even
0: in the relay. Even in the relay.
1: <laughs> so speaking about DFL, this is something that I also love about Ultraman culture and just sort of the community. So there's a 12 hour cutoff on each day, and so. If you don't make the cutoff the first day, technically, right, you, you didn't finish in the time frame. but they allow the athletes, they know that the athletes have put in all the time, all the work, everything to get there, their crews have traveled and so the athlete can keep participating. So even if they miss the cutoff, they can show up at the starting line the next day, keep going, you know, cause maybe they had a bad day or whatever, and they get to finish the race. And even though they're not, an, they're not like an official finisher their name still gets read at the banquet. They are still, they still finished the race. Like it's one of the things that I think is so cool and says a lot about the kind of culture and the Ohana, right. And that family thing, and just sort of the love and respect of the athletes and what they've put in to get there. And so, it's so I don't know, there's a lot of great, great, great things about the races. We actually encourage them mm-hmm. to come back out. Going. It yeah. makes
2: me it, yeah, it makes me sad if they don't come back out because I know that they're just super, super sad, and I'd rather have them be sad out on the course with the rest of the athletes <laughs> and continue the suffering <laughs> um because they Visory did put in the company. work and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, but they did put in the work, and it's like, come out and be a part of it still, like, and finish what you set out to do yeah exactly and just because you didn't finish one day doesn't mean we don't love you anymore like we still want you
1: out there yeah and they finish it they just didn't finish it in 12 hours and as we all know right shit shit happens like yeah you know winds are on the water or like whatever flat tires like things are that are out of your control happen and so like the fact that when those things happen and your plan doesn't go as planned that you still have the opportunity to Continue is, I think, really, really yeah. special. It, we actually had someone in
2: Florida who, um, it's funny, everybody, um, cold water affects everybody differently. And the water in Florida was just under 60. I think it was 58 or 59 degrees. Most people were totally fine, no issues whatsoever. We had a couple of people come out and they were shivering, and we had one come out who was on the verge of hypothermia and and we spent a long time warming her up and once she was warmed up uh, and and she actually had to get pulled out of the water so she didn't finish the swim but once she warmed up she was like i'm going out on my bike and she ended up having an awesome rest of the weekend uh so she wasn't an official finisher but she finished almost everything with a, a smile on her face it was wonderful
1: You just got back from Alaska, and so you were actually there crewing. What was the race that you were crewing? I was crewing the Denali 135.
2: Actually, I was crewing it for one of our Florida alumni and his girlfriend, and I was crewing it with uh, one of our athletes slash staff members, uh, Jeremy Howard, also known as Rec. And uh, so Jeremy and I, crewed, uh, Tim and his girlfriend cat for 135 miles across the Denali highway in Alaska. It was the most beautiful course I've ever seen in my life out. And I've been to a lot of races and it was incredible. Um, we saw all kinds of wildlife, you know, on the course and everything, both of them finished, it was a super, super small race uh but very very difficult a lot of climbing but what's really cool is uh is that it's light because we do it they do it on the solstice and so the sun just barely dipped down around midnight and then came right back up at about 3 a.m and so it was it was awesome that's so cool and uh yeah we had a great time cool. lots of adventures were had for sure yeah, yeah. I love crewing I don't crew as much as I used to because now I'm on the staff end of a lot of things, but whenever I get the opportunity, I love crewing still. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. It's so much fun to get the opposite perspective of everything that goes into some of these adventures that people do. Um, So thank you for sharing your event director perspective, sharing the Ohana and the love, and um, like I said, if you could ever do one of Jen's races, I highly recommend it because she's just an amazing human. Um, and her, her energy and the vibe and the community that she brings to her events is super special.
0: Yeah. And honestly, just thanks to you and all the other race directors. Cause I mean, yeah. it's, you know, I've never done yours specifically, but all the ones I've done, I mean, you know, I, the amount of work that goes into it is great. So, you know, you know. I'm sure I'll, I'll thank you on behalf of the athletes that have done yours that have, you know, in, in exchange for them, hopefully someday thanking the ones for the ones I've done that you didn't organize. So, you know, thank <laughs> but, uh, you. That's a, a great, uh, you're saints, all of you, for sure. Thank you.
3: And, and I'm marking on my calendar Memorial Day weekend, yeah. uh, 2023. Here we go. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah I,
2: I would love to give you guys comp entries. So if you're really going to oh, come out, yeah. for sure, let me know.
4: Yeah. I, Save you
2: a few bucks. Save you a few bucks so you can buy
1: some extra my ties, maybe. Yeah. yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah. Cool. And
1: then, Jen, where um, for people who are interested in learning more about your races, where can people find find you online? Uh, our website, UltramanFlorida.com
2: and UltramanArizona.com.
0: Great. Thanks so much Perfect. for coming on, Jen. It was, it was great talking to you.
2: Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me. It was really fun.
0: Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media on Instagram at almost there underscore AP or the almost there adventure podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to support us financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash ATAP. You can find Severia at adventure us women. That's adventure US women. Jeff at the SoCal hiker or me at the mirror project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and is provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out the show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On the next episode, we talk to cyclist and adventurer Gary Christman. As always, thanks for listening.